our voice, our future. Join us as we explore the real power of Youth Rising. Youth Rising. The Youth Rising podcast by NCS. Hey, I'm Eleanor and welcome to Youth Rising by NCS. This is a podcast for young people by young people. In this podcast, you're going to hear youth-driven stories from right across England about the issues that matter to young people right now. Wow, episode 16. How did we get here? So much has changed since we started this podcast, and I'm so glad we've been able to continue during lockdown. We've covered so many topics and addressed so many issues that really matter to us. And all that whilst adhering to the government's guidelines whilst in lockdown. We've looked at feminism, fast fashion, knife crime, mental health. And during lockdown, we've explored the issues around our education, coming out stories while staying in and homelessness. Personally, my favourite episode, I think, has to be way back, one of the early ones, the prison reform episode, is when I got to get into the studio and have a discussion with people that are really in the field, on the front lines of education in prison and, and prison reform. And having that conversation for me was just such an exhilarating experience. In this episode, we are talking firstly about apps and how they change the way we communicate. Sophie, Lottie and Musin all talk about what apps mean to them, sharing their personal stories. Then in the second part of this episode, Eva and Tapiwa talk about what they hope life will be like after lockdown, based on what they've learned about themselves, others and the world. Just to remind you, this podcast is happening all thanks to NCS, the programme for 16 to 17 year olds that helps to turn all those no you can't into no, we can. And NCS has got you covered this summer with brilliant content covering everything from life lessons, playlists, skills builders, creative inspiration and social action projects. Check out the Summer Digital Hub at wearencs.com. I can't imagine there's many people who don't use apps to communicate one way or the other. I know that overusage of phones has been associated with the rise of mental health and anxiety, and that before the pandemic, many of the older population associated us with excessive phone or app usage. But during the lockdown, I'm guessing we are all thankful for the likes of Zoom, House Party and FaceTime, so we can see our friends and loved ones. There's not many people I know that aren't using apps so much more to keep in contact. Towards the beginning of April, I had my birthday and it's when lockdown had just started and my family planned a surprise Zoom party. And Zoom, I've just been using so much recently, whether it's for work, whether it's for friends, whether it's for quizzes, something that I never used before, suddenly I'm using every single day. Moosin, Lottie and Sophie got together over Zoom again (laughs) to talk about apps and how they've changed the way we communicate. Hey, I'm Sophie and today we're going to be here talking about everything app related. Well, not really everything, but we're going to be talking about how apps have changed the way we interact. Today I'm joined by Lottie, who is a researcher on the podcast and one of the hosts of the Youth Rising podcast, Masina. Hey both and welcome. Hello. Hiya, uh, how you doing? So I bet you're all feeling the same as me since lockdown. A little bit of app overload. Zoom is literally the only way I can keep in touch with my mates. But I also wanted us to have a look at them before lockdown. So Lottie, 
What apps do you use the most to interact with your mates and why the app? Um, probably Snapchat, to be honest, because it's just the most convenient. Obviously, before lockdown, I saw my friends every day anyway. So it's just I don't need to like FaceTime them all the time like we're <laughs> doing now. <laughs> um, now it's more Skype, to be honest, so I can like see their faces and feel like I'm not just interacting with my family as much as I love them. They're, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, <laughs> don't think that needs much explaining. And Nassim, what about you? I've actually been using Instagram a lot more. I mean, I've been using Instagram because it's allowed me to kind of see how other people are using like are using the social media it also gives me a chance for me to see how my friends are doing what they're doing on they're doing in their day i think that's like the whole reason why instagram was created for us to kind of see how each other are doing without seeing each other and i've also been using house party that's helped me kind of you know play games with my friends and i've met new friends from house party so that's it i love that i feel like instagram's a bit of a controversial one though because i feel like a lot of people haven't been loving it during lockdown oh i hate instagram yeah <laughs> why is that i don't know i think a lot of people feel like it's um a bit of an overload seeing how other people yeah. are sharing all the old photos and stuff mm. or they're looking back at old memories so i think for some people it's almost a bit of a Oh, like, I wish we were back there. But I mean, I've been loving it too. So you're not your only one. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I get that because it it kind of makes us feel as though, uh, like, you know, we should be out of lockdown and it makes you like less patient about what's happening in the world. Yeah, and as well as that, like, just seeing like people going and like running 10 miles a day, just like easy 10 mile run. And I'm like, mm, <laughs> great. And that makes me feel really good about myself. But um, it's not all bad. I think people just need to like be careful how they use it and like manage through their following and stuff as well. Um, but we're all learning. Definitely. <laughs> Quick question. You know, with Twitter, why do people follow like so many people? Whereas on like Instagram, you wouldn't follow as many people. I find that's for me the other way around. Yeah, same here. I feel like I don't follow a lot of people on Twitter, but I follow a lot of people on Instagram. I mean, I don't anymore. I've, I've reduced my like my limit on Instagram like I've unfollowed a lot of people recently but I feel like I've followed more people on Twitter maybe that's just because it's a, a much wider spectrum of people but I don't know what about you Mister? do you like what's your followers like on both what as in who I follow yeah like do you follow loads of people on Twitter on Instagram and like is it people our age and stuff yeah I mean when it comes to a Twitter I think I follow like more adults I, I, I tend to get my information and my news from Twitter like I'll follow like news outlets when it comes to Instagram, I'm more likely to follow my friends. Interestingly enough, I'm more likely to follow people that I don't know on Instagram. And that's allowed me to meet new people. Like I know one of my best friends I met through Instagram. And that's just because mm. they replied to my story. And I think Instagram allows you to connect with more people more easily because you've got that ability to get more into someone's life. You're able to see what they're doing every day through their stories. And also you get you get more of a sense of their personality because of their pictures. Whereas I think on Twitter, it's harder to read into someone's personality through tweets. Definitely, I agree 100%. So do you think excessive use of apps are going to hinder young people's communication skills as they get older? No, because in terms of jobs and stuff, that's all going online a lot of it anyway. And actually now this is the point where young people are completely thriving because we know how to communicate over like this platform, for example. Like it took me literally like 30 minutes to show my mum how to set up Zoom on my laptop the other day. And then we called um, someone who, a family friend whose birthday it was. And you could just tell like the ages on the call who were like comfortable with this and were just chatting like we were in person. And people on the call who were finding it difficult to communicate because 
it is sometimes very awkward like there are silences where there's delays and stuff and like I know it sounds little but I do feel like we're more accustomed to dealing with that because we've done it more often yeah I guess maybe it might come more naturally to younger people yeah, I agree. but I, I I actually disagree when it comes to communication I think I personally find that older people are better at communicating in person like it's a social issue that is asked is like when you're on a train how often does an old person speak to you? It's quite often like an older person would have a mm-hmm. conversation and is more likely to start a conversation. Whereas when it comes to us teenagers, if if you have a conversation with someone on the train, it's kind of like, why are you talking to me for? What do you want? I, I don't know. I just feel as though communication in person has has been lost a bit where people are more comfortable texting and it, it almost becoming keyboard warriors sometimes when they want to preach their hate <laughs> yeah I think overall I think I, I, I would actually yeah I see your point definitely but then it, I think it, it has just slowly become a norm that like when you're out in public keep your head down and like go and then like my grandparents would be telling me oh yeah like back when I was your age <laughs> I'd be walking through the village and I'd stop every 10 seconds to have a chat with someone <laughs> and I'm like how would you how did you get anywhere <laughs> <laughs> no I agree though um especially with the point on the train like uh sometimes I quite like it and um, when an old person might approach me and they're like oh hello where are you going and I'm like oh I'm just going to Lancaster I'm just going to London like I mean just going to London it's quite a trek for me (laughs) maybe it's our age but sometimes a bit weirded out by it because I'm a bit like why are you asking me these questions like should I be concerned maybe it's a generational thing but I can be a bit like standoffish and maybe that's why I don't have many friends because I'm a bit standoffish sometimes when people talk to me yeah I think we're depending so much on social media that I guess human interaction in person is being limited and I think, I personally think it's quite sad because like we were saying earlier with speaking on the train is those organic conversations that you just have in person with a stranger is almost lost. You don't necessarily meet new strangers off of in, per- in person and it's more only in networking events where you find these new people. Even now, like if people have like social anxiety and they don't want to just go and speak to people. I feel like just from that anyway, and I feel like part of that could be caused through social media, just through people constantly talking through apps and people not maybe not FaceTiming as often because they're scared of actually talking to the person and not be able to make conversation. So I think that's going to be maybe something trickier as we grow older. How, how often do you hear about someone that became best friends just off of a train or just off of a normal conversations? It's, only, it's almost these conventions and these events and these places that are bringing people together. and. I think more often we're seeing younger people becoming friends through social media and finding their friends through social media. So I guess, is it a good thing that we're finding friends through social media rather than in person? And is that really human authenticity? I met some of my best friends online and it's the way I keep in communicating with them because a lot of my friends don't live near here. I mean, I've got a few of like close friends and friends that I have who live around here, but a lot of the friends I've met live like across the country and like Ken or York. So I feel like social media is really important in that aspect, not only for keeping communication, but also meeting people, especially in networking purposes. So like on LinkedIn, I'm constantly finding new people that I'm like, oh, you've got a really interesting job. I'm going to see if you'll connect with me. I'm going to ask you about your job. Just to be nosy and just to, just to see if that's something else I'm interested in, especially if you don't know what you want to do with life. Like I feel like that's a really important way of making new connections, whether it's, 
to be your next best friend or it's to help you find it's something you love yeah I think I'd agree actually it's interesting you set up the LinkedIn thing because my old um singing teacher he was telling me about this app that he used to use when he was just out of drama school and he would it's I can't think what it's called it's for people in the performing arts industry and you can send someone a message who you find interesting from their profile. It's like a little bit like a dating app, but not for dating. Then you go grab a coffee with them when you press this like certain button and you can just like connect and like, he said he's got loads of jobs out of that. Um, and it's really good for like, you know, starting artists. So I think it could be a problem if we just, basically if we stayed in lockdown for our whole lives and we just use Zoom to communicate and stuff, because I obviously none of us are enjoying this right now. And I think we've learned from this that we don't want, this state of just using the internet all the time to continue but I think it does have its uses because you know that got him proper work when he was just starting out in a business which is really really hard to like get any sort of work in 100% yeah I don't think I'll be using social media anywhere near as much after we come out of lockdown because I think I've realized Mm. not how boring it is but it's interesting but like just for now horror and saying live streams like not for actually socialising anymore. Yeah. I'm going to take advantage of actually going out and just talking to people on the street. Mm, definitely, definitely. We had a the other day in my like street and it was, just to clarify, because I know people have seen it on social media, it was a very socially distanced <laughs> street party, not like some of the ones that have been floating around. But we all sat on our driveways and honestly, I didn't like, I probably, I know my next door neighbours really well, we're good friends. Apart from that, I don't really know anyone in our street. Like, I spoke just, obviously, shouted at so many people across the street, but it was really cool. I was like, honestly, like, if you told us before this lockdown that we, I would be sat on my driveway doing a pub quiz with my whole, like, road who I've talked to one household with that, I would tell you to go away. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely a lesson and a wake-up call, if anything, about how valued that is and um, how like some of these people like they're so cool and I didn't know that (laughs) I thought "Mm, okay but like they're really cool people like it's really important to like sometimes you can't get that over a text message like face to face it was even if we were like 10 feet away it was really cool (laughs) you know what's really interesting is when we when everything was all normal and we lived our normal lives a lot of us went onto social media and lived these digital lives when everything was normal and now that we're in lockdown and we have the internet we have everything we need and we're living our digital lives we're craving the authenticity we're craving real human interaction we're craving just being able to hang out with your friends in real life in real person but when we're living our normal lives we we went on social media so often so it's kind of like a lesson for humanity I guess yeah definitely I agree with you like I think before this I was the most like I didn't see all this like I didn't understand this whole social media could be so damaging thing I definitely do do get it now and actually like after this is over I'm planning to just like go off the internet I want to like talk to people face to face you know I assume so much I can read a text message in like five different ways and I like on the photo in five different ways and stuff and um I think I will be one of many who are thinking oh my god yeah this is actually a real problem that I didn't quite understand the extent of before this happened. For everyone listening we actually did a podcast episode to do with prison reforms and the pressures of social media and it's interesting because we recorded that before the whole lockdown situation so now I feel as though when we talked about it, we always talk about the pressures of social media. We always talk about how social media can be bad. But because of this lockdown, now seeing in hindsight, 
we are almost seeing the actual pressures of social media so much more. It's becoming more apparent and we're seeing the problems. And now it's almost as though all the people that use social media are now finally being able to admit that, you know what, this is actually really bad. And I really want to just hang out with my mates in real life. Yeah, it's right. Because um, as we see over the last few weeks, people have just been like, oh, let's get back to normal. Let's get back to normal. But what is normal anymore? Nothing about my situation is normal. And in fact, like, I didn't really like the normal before. Um, and that, this has shown me that. So let's, like, change that. Um, but that mentality is one that is not widespread, I don't think, across anyone in power at this point. So, like, yeah, I do think we're going to go back to that, which is a shame. But I just hope people can, you know, think, no, let's not go back to normal. Let's take what we've learned from this and improve our society to help improve the environment and the economy, education. We're almost going to come out of lockdown in like a restored way and we're almost going to be revived and we're going to become more socially more comfortable because we're going to be all wanting to interact. How long do you think that's going to last? And and do you feel as though it's only going to be temporary where humanity and all, all of us want to interact with each other, but then we're going to go back to social media. We're going to go back to all these issues that we had pre-lockdown. I think if this lockdown shown us anything, it's that we need to change. We need to be the generation of change. We need to make changes in our own lives and also in general life. However, that see fit to each individual person. I was going to say, can you imagine lockdown without Zoom, without social media? So this was, two, I don't know, 2000 or we're living in you know 1999. Imagine if we were in lockdown because... We know how advanced we were in 2000, but we didn't have these social media apps. Imagine we were in lockdown. How do you think like we would have been? Like, do you think, do you think it would have been a better situation? Oh my god, I would have hated it. <laughs> um, as an extrovert, I like I feed off of people like all the time. Like, I I don't really like being alone. I like being surrounded by people. So obviously, I I'm with my mom, and my sister, but they're both introverts, so they don't want to be surrounded by people all the time. So they're like, we'll talk to you, but also leave me alone, please. So I think it is positive to have that balance of like having somebody else to talk to. I, I just don't know how I would have dealt with it. It would have been like crazy. And I mean, it's amazing that we have apps out there like Zoom and like FaceTime and stuff that helps us interact with other people and helps us keep connected even during a pandemic, which wouldn't have been otherwise possible 20 years ago. I think if this had happened 20, 30 years ago, I would have had that jigsaw finished by now. I sat downstairs, I opened eight weeks ago. (laughs) (laughs) So, Musim, we have heard that you were designing an app to help Muslims get married. So what is your concept behind this? Yeah, you're a genius. (laughs) It's a matchmaking app for Muslims that are looking to get married. It's like Tinder, but it's very different at the same time because... Whilst Tinder is kind of very about, you know, pictures and how you look, um, the app that we're creating, because obviously it's it's for Muslims, focuses more on personality. And so how it works is you create an account and you sign yourself up, you upload your CV and you, you, know, you post your occupation, your ethnicity, and then other users that are on the, on the app can then filter down and try to find their perfect match. So I'm currently building an algorithm that automatically suggests the perfect match for you. And it's it's different, it's, I guess it's different to Tinder because of because of that. Oh, I love that. That's a really cool idea. So how hard or easy has it been to create the app and who is your target audience? It's been it's been a long process because I've had to, you know, use different softwares to in order to build the app. 
And like I'm going from developing and designing and I'm a perfectionist. So I like getting things absolutely perfect. But in terms of like target audience, again, this it comes to when it comes to design, that's the main challenge is when I'm making the design, it's not just about how I like it, but it's about is the people that are going to download the app, the, the people that I'm targeting going to like the design. And so having to, I guess, second guess other people's preferences is quite difficult. Yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> Does it follow any cultural traditions? I guess it's not exactly as um, Western as we were quite used to. Um, I think other dating apps is more likely to show pictures of women and typically display the beauty of women. For me personally, I think that can become window shopping for men and it can, it can have a negative impact where, you know, women are being objectified on these, on these apps. And so it takes a very different approach. So the, the difference about the app that I'm creating right now is that you can only see the pictures of women when they give permission. The focus isn't so much on appearance, but rather on personality. And because it's not just a dating app, it's more a marriage app where you're looking for a marriage partner. I think the focus on personality helps to build more long-term marriage relationships rather than dating, which might be short-term. I love that idea. I feel like that sounds very similar to a TV show you might have watched called Love is Blind on Netflix, where you can't actually see the people uh, until they choose to get married and then they go through this journey because they've discovered each other's personalities and that sounds really similar. And I really love that idea. Well, well done, Muslim. <laughs> Thank you. Have you come across any limitations with the app? again in relation to culture i guess with culture you got to play that balancing act between modern muslims and you know traditional muslims i guess the app that i'm creating targets a more traditional muslim more orthodox because obviously islam teaches us to you know value women and to respect them and the way that some people interpret that is different so some people might think that it's completely normal to see women on pictures and that's fine that's your morals and that's the way that you've been brought up that's fine whereas other muslims they tend to want to be more reserved and the app targets that so i guess some people might come into the app and they just think it's tinder but for muslims and it's not i guess it's a good thing in the sense that like you're almost um i think it's really healthy to have people question our thoughts and our like our ways of bringing up and the way that you've done that with them um, hiding the pictures to start with as well maybe make pe- some people think a little bit which I think is really positive um because even if like it doesn't make someone change their mind and that's fine because that's again how they've been brought up and what their belief is it is so healthy just to have like polite questioning of like or challenging of ideas and stuff and I think that does um make people the people they are oh I just love the idea of it it's really interesting <laughs> yeah me too it's so cool Cause it's it's so unique as well it's not like anything else it's not like a rip-off tinder or it's not like a plenty of fish <laughs> I love it so Mossim uh, do you know anyone who has met through an app or through social media which might have helped you lead the design of your concept before I made the app I made the website and obviously now we're living in an age where everything's digital, but everything's in the like in our hands. I've had to adapt and I've had to integrate, you know, app designs. I know lots of people that have met through the website and have met digitally 
um, and found their marriage partner and it's gone on. I know someone that's, you know, met through the website and they've been in like a four-year relationship right now. And so it's crazy to think that we're living in, an, in a time where people are finding each other online. Um, and I just hope that by creating this app, I can increase the amount of successes and the number of people that are able to find love. And I, I know that sounds really weird because I'm 17 years old and I don't have any idea about anything. If I can be that vehicle, I think that gives me a sense of satisfaction. No, that's a, that's amazing that people have met through the app. Like, that's so good. I love it. So thank you very much, guys, for chatting with me today. I really enjoyed it, hearing about your experiences on the apps and also about Muslims app. So, yeah, thank you very much for listening, I guess. No worries. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks so much to Musin, Sophie and Lottie for that. The Youth Rising Podcast by NCS. The Youth Rising Podcast by NCS. You're listening to Youth Rising by NCS. Right now, life is a little bit weird, but it isn't going to stay this way forever. We'll get back to some sort of normality at some point. Personally, though, I think after lockdown, I'd love to see a continuation, one of the support for the NHS, but two, just a general support of one another. A time when we like look out for our neighbours, look out for our loved ones, check in with our friends and really, really care. Even just saying hi to someone when walking down the street, just because it's nice to see another face. I think that's something that would be so cool to see continue after lockdown. We asked our reporters, Eva and Tapiwa, what they hoped life would be like after lockdown. Firstly, we asked about themselves, what they learned during lockdown, what skills they developed and what they've learned about their relationships. Hey, I'm Tapiwa and I want to talk to you about how I feel about lockdown. I've learned that I thrive with structure, Now being without it, I've had to learn how to almost motivate myself independently, especially when it comes to homework and stuff like that. So I think I'm just learning a lot about why I do things. And I think it sounds very like philosophical and deep and introspective, but I'm literally just trying to figure out how to prioritize and organize my life according to what I deem to be important. And I think especially when we come out of lockdown, people are going to have a a reorganised sense of importance. People are going to be leaving jobs that they hate because I feel like when you experience time like this, when it's free and flowing, I think you realise how valuable it is. And that's something I've I've been trying to learn. Over the past few weeks, I've definitely learned that I am okay with boredom and it is okay to not be super productive all the time because I am someone that studies pretty hard and I do my work when it's set and I'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to all of that stuff. Just trying to make the most out of my time, which is great, but sometimes it can get a bit much and you can find yourself getting into these exhausting routines and not actually taking the time to breathe. And I think although the context of the situation has been really tough and it's been really negative for a lot of people, I think it's great that people have also used this time to calm down and maybe invest a little bit of time into self-care. Secondly, we asked Eva and Tapiwa about the people around them, 
what the first thing is they'll do with their family and friends and the first place they'd want to visit. So in regards to my relationships with people, I think it's very hard to connect, especially when you're trying to do so through social media. I mean, I am not a stranger to being aired and I feel as though I'm in no place to, to almost learn or judge the relationships I have because I really don't know what's going on with the people who I care about. They might be going through some difficult times and all I can do is try and support them. You don't necessarily have to talk to them every single day in order to be close. Sometimes it's simple reassurance and I think that is very, very valuable, especially in times like this when so much is uncertain. I think the first thing I'd like to do with my friends or family is probably go on holiday. Me and a friend of mine were really interested in like thrifting and secondhand shopping. Before quarantine, we wanted to go to like, you know, a really fashionable place in Europe and go see all the sites and go crazy, crazy shopping. Because whenever I go to, whenever I go to like a new city or a new place, I always go to their secondhand shops and just go crazy. And I think me and my friend were planning to go to Milan and I am I'm looking forward to that happening. I understand that we have to have patience with our plans because we don't know what's necessarily gonna happen in the coming months, but that's something I definitely wanna do. Just have fun and enjoy myself in a place that isn't my room, so yeah. I live alone with my mum and I think this time has really made me realise how important she is to me and how for people coming from a single parent family this time is quite a lot scarier because if something were to happen to that one carer who knows what will happen to the kids or the child. I did consider becoming a key worker because obviously the worries financially were quite large but in the end I just realised how important my mum is to me. She's almost 60 and I just didn't want to put her in any danger for herself and also for me because I rely on her so much and this has made me realise how much I rely on her and how much she relies on me. After lockdown ends, I'm really excited to see my friends that live close to me. I'm really excited to see my cousins as well and actually hug them at some point. And I reckon we'll definitely be making a lot of trips to the beach. And I think for once I won't be complaining about how busy it is. I'll just be happy that we can all be there together. Lastly, we asked Eva and Tapiwa about the world and how they'd hope it would change, what they wanted to remain the same and what they believe needs to be different. So in regards to the world, the state of the world, it's a big question, but I think I have an answer. And I would just like to see people hold more value in life. I mean that in the sense of human life, but I also mean that in the sense of our environment, because I think since lockdown, there's definitely been articles published on how the environment is thriving now, that human activity has come to a halt. And I think we definitely have to look around and value as value nature as we see it coming back and, and thriving before us. And I think we've got to recognise how our actions put the very beauty of nature in jeopardy. And if we do not stop and reflect upon our actions, as we've been given time to do so, it will continue to ruin nature and perhaps eventually destroy it forever. So I feel like prior to the crisis, we recognised that the NHS was in dire need of more funding and 
just generally more attention. I feel as though that message has been not only reaffirmed, but heavily emphasised through the PPE crisis that we've experienced. And I think that a lot of us realise the value of the NHS as we come out every Thursday and we clap for them. And I just like to see that clapping action, that idea of praise translated into action when, you know, society resumes. So I think it's imperative that we recognise the role of the NHS, not only in this crisis, but in a wider working society. I think that after the lockdown, people hopefully will be making an effort to buy locally if they can. And I also hope that there's more of a sense of community developed after this. So like when we spoke on the Zoom call and we had a panel discussion on communities, we kind of touched the subjects of how people are getting closer with the neighbours they had because they're the people that we've got closest to us. I think that I myself have definitely developed a lot more patience for certain things. So say you're having to wait in a long queue or you're somewhere's a bit busy or you go to a pub and music's a bit loud. I just feel like we're not going to worry about those small little things like that phrase, don't sweat the small stuff. I feel like we're not because we've had everything taken away from us, the good stuff and the bad stuff. And I think coming back to regular society, we're just going to value the good stuff so much more. So we might not pay attention to those small aspects which we once found negative. I think people are going to be a lot more tolerant of other people, hopefully. Um, but saying that there will be a lot of anxiety returning to normal society because we've had such a strange and unprecedented experience. Um, so I know a lot of people will be worried and especially worried about the virus returning and a second spike. So it will be tough to adjust, but I feel that people will hopefully return with a refreshed and more positive patient attitude. Thanks so much to Eva and to Piwa for sharing their thoughts. We would love to hear your thoughts on life after lockdown. Head to our blog on wearencs.com for all the information about how you can get involved and upload your voice notes. Right, that's it from me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Youth Rising by NCS. I cannot believe that this is the last episode of this series. But don't worry, this is not the end of Youth Rising. We're simply just taking a short break. This is a good chance for you to listen back to some previous episodes. As I mentioned earlier, my favourite was definitely, I think, the prison reform and social media episode. And another really good one, which was so fun and so jokes, was the vegan episode. Check that one out too. If you're trying to convince a friend to become vegan, that's definitely the one you want to check out. (laughs) Please make sure you subscribe to be the first to receive new episodes when we go live again. So from us here at Youth Rising, stay safe and we'll be back soon. Keep an eye on our socials for updates. Youth Rising. Youth Rising. Youth Rising. By NCS.